Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Eric Benford Building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia, it's Phantasmo After Dark, with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, blood and lace. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the old podcast. Hey Phyllis. Hey Rob. Ooh, it's uh, been a busy uh, couple weeks since the last episode here. It certainly We had has. Monster Fest, which was a rousing success. It was awesome. The one-day uh, horror convention that we put on in beautiful Chesapeake, Virginia. <laughs> God, was our attendance like 2,400 throughout the day? Yeah. Good time had by all. A free event. Lots of horror hosts there like Dr. Mad Blood and Dr. Sarcophagi and Mr. Lobo and Bobby Gam Monster and... Uh, Penny Dreadful came back again. That was great to have her back. It's been a while. Uh, lots of panels, lots of dealers in the vendors area there. It was, uh, it was a good time. Yes, indeed. Can't complain. And then the horror movie showings we've been doing at the Narrow, The Shining, that night in The Exorcist last week. Got big crowds for that. and Got a few more coming up if you're going to be in the area in Tidewater, uh, Virginia here, and near Norfolk, Virginia. The Narrow Expanded Cinema on Collie Avenue in the Ghent section of Norfolk, on Friday the 19th, we're showing as a late show, about 11 o'clock, I believe, 11.30 maybe, mm-hmm. the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's going to be awesome to see that in a theater. And then the following night on the 20th, Saturday night, same thing as a late show, The Howling. I'm really looking forward to seeing that in a theater. Yeah, That's going to be cool. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. And we may give out some door prizes too. So you know, I think we might. Tell a friend, won't you? Whew, month of October is always busy for us here. Indeed. And trying to get the podcast in on time. (laughs) We're making it happen. And our topic tonight is a little movie called Blood and Lace, which is an interesting little film. One that you have uh, been searching for. You should tell them how we figured this out. (laughs) Personally, it's of interest to me. (laughs) This is a movie that I've been searching for for 40-some years now, which is telling my age, which is awful. (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know i remember seeing one scene in particular i remember from this film when you were a little kid when i was a kid i couldn't have been more than seven eight years old maybe maybe 10 at the most Mm -hmm. and a saturday afternoon suspense movie horror movie i guess it's kind of a horror movie stretching if you will call it that and I remember the scene, and over the years I've related this scene to people, and nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. So what was the scene? So I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene I remember was this kid, teenager, running away from somebody, running through a field at, at dusk or twilight. Actually, it's supposed to be in the middle of the night, but night, day for night shooting, with a suitcase. And this guy, this older guy, chasing him with a with a hatchet or something, and the kid drops his suitcase, it comes open, and he I remember him, you know, like putting his hand on this post or something, and the guy throws the axe or the hatchet and chops his hand off. It hits the post, and the kid grabs his hand, runs away. The guy goes, picks up the suitcase, puts the hand in the suitcase, takes his hatchet, and leaves. Can't you know, doesn't go it looks for him a little bit more, but then leaves. Um, and that's all you remember that's about That's all the I movie. remember. The only thing I remember about this movie. And that has been plaguing me off and on. All, I didn't really seriously, you know, hardcore look for it. But from time to time, it would pop in my head because it's such a visual, mm-hmm. especially as a little kid on Saturday afternoon TV. Right. It wasn't that gory, but it's pretty graphic. Yeah. For well, that, you know. Yeah. And nobody could tell me what the hell it was. Nobody knew it. 
Well, fast forward, or flash back, anyway, mm-hmm. to last Sunday, and post-Monster Fest brunch with uh, some of the friends that stayed after with uh, Sarcophagi and Mr. Lobo and a few other friends, and one of those friends... <laughs> I related this scene. Thank you, Eric Miller. Yeah, I related this scene at the table, and Eric Miller, a friend of ours, filmmaker from Retron, spoke up and knew what we was talking about and said, oh, that's I think that's Blood and Lace. And then Dixie Lobo said, I think it is, and she looked it up on the Magic Oracle space phone <laughs> and showed me the poster, and I'm like, holy crap, that's it, you know? And <laughs> bing, you know, it was like, oh, Eureka. I finally knew what it was, and it Turns out it's on Amazon, Prime. Amazon Prime, uh, available to watch, but I think you got to pay. It's not on the free thing. Oh, okay. So then I looked it up, and it was on YouTube. Nice. So I watched it a couple nights after that, uh, real late at night, which was a great time to watch it. And when that scene came on, it was exactly what I remembered. The only difference was, instead of him putting his hand on the pole, he like tried to stand behind the pole and wrapped his hands around it. Was a tree, it. I think. A tree or something. Yeah. yeah. And the guy didn't have a hatchet. It was a meat cleaver, a big meat cleaver. Yeah. That's the only thing I got wrong. Mm-hmm. But when that scene came on, it was like it played out just exactly like I was like this little kid again seeing that, you know, because right. it played in my head like that. And it wasn't long into the movie for that scene, so that was that was kind of cool. <laughs> so the relief now <laughs> and vindication. <laughs> But after I watched it, you know, it it had a really nice twist ending, which I didn't see coming, especially with that watching it that late at night. I probably wasn't that after all the, you know, yeah, I think you must have been just tired because the movie I really liked it. Um, The movie was fun for me to watch, but I found it very predictable. There was part of it that I didn't quite get. And I don't know if you want to give it away or not. Well, we'll go through it in a second. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. Watching it again with you the other day, because mm-hmm. after I watched it, I'm like, yeah, this would be pretty good to do a podcast on. And I think, you know, and you need to see it, if for nothing else, to see what I've been talking about, you mm-hmm. know, all these years. So after watching it again, of course, part of it is knowing the twist ending, though. I'm like, oh, okay, I see how blatant these clues are now. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I was. Well, I, I didn't know. You didn't yeah, tell me. I think I would. Yeah, and you did. Yeah, you just picked up on it right away. And I think I was just like lost in the, the excitement of, yeah. I'm, I'm finally, finally seeing, seeing this it. movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. And not that it's a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. No, but I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's a low-budget film. I think the budget, and this was 1971, so it, it was like only $200,000. Wow. You know, and that was a lot of two, 71 money, but it's still low-budget for a film right? back then. And it had, uh, you know, so I, I guess some semi-notable people in it. Gloria Graham was the lead, uh, the woman who ran the orphanage, which we'll get into the plot in a second. And um, Melody Patterson was was the lead. The she was more uh, probably famous for a well known for being um, Wrangler Jane on F Troop. Ah, her and name he, was was it Ellie on Ellie Masters? Yeah. yeah, and she's playing a teen, probably eight, eighteen or nineteen years old in mm-hmm. this, and but she seems. Uh, younger than she looked on F Troop, hmm. which was years before. It was in right. black and white, you know. Mm-hmm. And a couple other people in this. Well, Vic Tabak, Mel from Alice, right, playing uh, the sheriff guy, detective. Calvin Carruthers. Oh, sorry, he was a detective working for the sheriff's mm-hmm. office. And then this guy, uh, a couple of other character actors, which you, 
these names won't mean anything to you, but they're faces you've seen in everything. Oh, definitely. Milton uh, Sesner, who was in everything from the 60s through the 80s, every TV show that was ever on television, <laughs> I think he played a part in. You look him up on IMDb, he's got over 200 credits. You know, mm. And Lynn Lesser, who's you've seen, and again, in everything, and probably the most high profile in recent years, he was Uncle Leo on Seinfeld. So that's where a lot of people know him from. And But then there's another guy, Dennis Christopher, who this was his first film, I, I think. And you've seen him later on, later years. He was known for he was Breaking Away, the movie Breaking Away that was a substantial hit in the 70s. And then he was also in the TV adaptation of Stephen King's It. I think his name was Eddie something. What was the character's name? You know, I'm forgetting his last name, but yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was the character he played in that. So, mm-hmm. but this was his first film, and as a young teenager, and he's kind of recognizable. He's always hungry in this. Uh, he's constantly wanting to go to the kitchen and, and get food. Okay, so the plot of this thing, well, it starts off with Hammer Cam, I believe. <laughs> this point, not of, Hammer Time, yeah, not Hammer Time, but Hammer Cam. This point of view shot of you're like looking at this claw hammer yeah it's like you're you're holding a camera and they tape in the, your hand at and, the end of the handle and they tape the camera and they tape the hammer on the end of the camera yeah it's so weird. you're looking down like the barrel of, of a gun mm-hmm. except the hammer walking through this house very reminiscent of the opening scene in halloween when you see the knife and looking through the mask but this came first which yeah this came in this movie came out in 71 and halloween was 78 so maybe john carpenter saw this movie Maybe. You know, which this movie does give, get credit a lot of times as being the first proto-slasher film. Hmm. And we'll talk a little bit of that later on. But like I said, it opens up with a, this hammer cam. And this point of view shot of the ha- you're looking, you're you're the killer walking through the house with this hammer. And then you get to the bedroom of this girl's parents. Or these two people, rather. You don't know that yet. And the hammer goes up the woman wakes up and the hammer beats her to death with the claw hammer and the effects are really crappy. <laughs> yeah. And and they don't seem to be very concerned that they're getting beat to death with the hammer. Yeah. They're just oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the hammer goes over and tries to beat the crap out of the guy, tries to kill yeah. him and you think it does and I forget has the house catch on fire? There is a match lit. Okay, so it's on purpose. At the curtain. Yes. Okay, so and you it see lights match very fast. Cam. Yes. Match cam. Yes, and match then, cam, yes. And then the curtain goes on fire, and then the guy rolls off the bed. You see he's not dead. Right. And I think you see the hammer again, or the hammer gets dropped on the carpet or something, the bloody hammer. hammer. gets dropped on the carpet, yeah. And then the scene switches to a girl raising up in bed, screaming like she had a nightmare. Right. And that's Melody Patterson. Mm-hmm. We come to find out that she that was her mother that got killed, and she apparently witnessed it. Mm-hmm. Or was in the house at the time. She was in the house. She was in the house, and she saw a guy leaving the house right. with a mask on or something. Well, he she just said that his face was very ugly, I think oh, she said. Oh, that's right. That's very right. ugly yeah. face. And um, she's having nightmares about, she saw the hammer, and she's having nightmares about that. And the doctor, they have her in this hospital. Apparently, it's a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. Yes. And the doctor doesn't, or the sheriff or somebody doesn't want her alone because they're in fear of the guy out there might come back for her, to kill her. Right. And she just wants to be gone. She doesn't want to be anywhere, you know, held down like that. Yeah, she doesn't like to stay in any one place for any length of time. Yeah. 
So she's going to try to run away from the hospital. Right. Packs her suitcase and starts walking down the road. And his car pulls up and it's Vic Tabak. And we don't know that yet. And she starts to freak out and this car is slowly following her. So she starts to run away. The guy pulls up, you know, pulls his car over the side, gets out and runs after her. And finally he, he catches her and he says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, you know me or I know you. And he says who he is. And he used to work at the movie theater and saw her every day, all the time. And then he joined the sheriff's department. Now he's a detective for the sheriff's department. And uh, she said, well, why were you chasing me? He said, why were you running? <laughs> what yeah. <laughs> His delivery on that line was great. It was. You know? And he explains he knew her mother, and he thinks the best place for her is to go back to the hospital. So he takes her back to the hospital, and the doctor has explained, either explained to her. The next scene is the doctor shows up in the bar with Vic Tabak, mm-hmm. and they're talking about this girl's future or whatever, and says he's taken her to this home for orphan kids that, right. s- that the state run or... Has an agreement they with. They fund it. They fund it. They have an agreement with. And they've... And by home, it's literally a house. Yeah, that has been converted. This woman's husband, the woman who owns her, her husband died, and so mm-hmm. she didn't convert it to this home. Yeah. He told her to or something, she said. And so that, you know, that's basically, the story starts here. This is where it starts to happen. And come to find out through the conversation in the bar that the girl's mom was a prostitute, was a whore. Right. And everybody in the town, she says somebody, every every able-bodied man in town over the age of 16 was mm-hmm. a client of hers at one time or another, is what right. her daughter says. Yeah, everybody knew it. Yeah, and, and everybody, everybody in town kind of knew it. Yeah. yeah. So she's got real hard resentment against her mother. Yeah. And she doesn't know who her father was. Her mother was never married. Yeah. Her mother would never tell her who her father was. Yeah. The only thing she said was that the first guy that she slept with slept with got her pregnant right the first guy she ever slept with got her pregnant and ruined her figure and she says my mother never loved me from day one because of that and all that you know we get to the the group home there and we find out that it's not a very nice place yeah and i would like to just point out that she is what we thought was maybe 18 or 19 years old which that's legally an adult right now in the united states so i'm not sure why she had to go to a group home well, I unless it was like a mental hospital, but she's not a mental hospital. Well, it was it patient. was a, it was an orphanage group home, but the thing is, I think in that time in the United States, mm-hmm. the legal well, the legal drinking age was twenty one, so that may have been the legal age. Well, the legal drinking age. Of I don't an adult. When did the legal the legal drinking age became twenty one? When you turned. 18, I think, because that's when my brother, my brother turned oh. 18 and it got bumped to 21. It was 18 before that. Yes. Oh, okay. So that, I don't know what year that was, but yeah. I I know when it happened. So that was not always the oh, case. Oh, so that wasn't a factor then? No. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it was different in state to state. I have no idea. Legal age, legal adult age of consent or whatever. Anyway, it never quite says, I don't think, how old she is. But no, the one but girl we is do 15. Know, yeah, but we do know that one of the guys that lives there 20, is 21. He's not 21 yet. No, he's, he's going to be 21 So that's why soon. I'm thinking 21 is at the time was the legal age of an adult. Yeah. It, none of this really matters. Yeah. It's just very confusing to me that there's someone well, there that's 20 years old and he apparently cannot leave on his own. I don't know. It's really weird. I'll come back to that in a minute. There's a great quote, a oh. review from the New York Times. Okay, I've got, cool. That's fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> I'll read that in just a minute. I digress. Yeah, Continue. But as it goes on... And usually we don't give away the whole plot like this, talking these things. But 
It's a neat little movie. So we're gonna yeah, the twist ending. We gotta get to that point for this. Are you gonna give away the ending? I'm gonna give away the ending. So yeah, if, if you don't want to hear the ending, we'll we'll warn you before we yeah. get there. So you know, you find out through a series of events that every things are pretty shady at this this orphanage and that nobody's ever run away, but kids have. Mm-hmm. And they've never been seen again. And you will remember the scene Rob described earlier. <laughs> yeah. And the kids that did run away, they did get caught. And the handyman, Lynn Lesser, the handyman there, caught them with a knife. <laughs> and Gloria Graham's character, Mrs. Deer, put them in the freezer. Yes. This is important. She didn't just put them in the freezer to keep them for, for numbers because the doctor comes to review the home a couple times a year and counts the heads of the, you know, the number of children there. For each kid, he gets 150 bucks a month. A month, yeah. Which back then was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So she has to keep the same number. If if kids run away, she loses income. Right. So what they do, when the guy's coming to visit the next morning and bring a new girl, they, this is creepy as hell. They get the kids that are supposed to be there that are run away. They pull them out of the freezer in the middle of the night and put them in the infirmary rooms. Mm-hmm. And keep the lights low so the guy looks in there and sees that they're in there and just counts the heads and they tell him, shh, be quiet, they're sleeping. Yeah, they and have they, a cold. They you have don't a bad catch cold. It. Yeah, you don't want to catch it. He's like, yeah, you're probably right. I don't want to catch it. So there's three in there and then there's one. <laughs> and, oh, and there's one girl in the attic they have tied up in the attic because she tried to run away and that's her punishment. Yes. And detention. Doc- that's detention. detention. And the yeah. doctor's okay with that. I guess they didn't tell him that they haven't fed her or given her water in three days. Or anything. Yeah. So... And for all of this that's going on, it's really not that gruesome. No. It's not gory at all. It's just the intention of it and the meaning of what they're doing is is creepy as hell. Yeah. Well, and you, you kind of learn as you go yeah. along that uh, Mrs. Deer is the lady's name mm-hmm. that's run this place. She's, not only is she just cruel. and She's, she's a loony tune. She has lost her shit. Yeah. She her mind is gone. She doesn't really think that she's killing these kids by sticking them in the freezer. She thinks that she's just preserving them for later. Like she can bring them back to life yeah. somehow. Well, she says, she says they're at not one really point that, dead. Yeah. Just because somebody dies doesn't mean they're dead. Yeah. Uh, something like that. And then she says, because they're coming up with new ways all the time to pro- prolong life and fight diseases and heal people. Yeah. So if she freezes them and puts them in a, you know, a stasis until they find a cure, uh-huh. then they can bring them back to life. Right. And she talks about from a couple of times that her husband told her this, and her husband always tells her that, and she goes kind of spacey one time when she's talking about him. Then later on, you see a silhouette of her talking, and she's talking to her husband. Yeah. And then you see her pulling his wheelchair with him in it back into the freezer. Yeah. So he's he died. When he died, she kept him and talks to him like daily. Yeah. So you find out, out she's not yeah, she's not just cruel. She's not she's just Miss Hannigan. It. She's gone. Yeah. You know. My husband James always advised me and counseled me. I thought he was dead. He's not living, but that doesn't mean he's dead. Science is making marvelous progress with drugs and transplants. Someday people who have passed away before their time will be restored. Like my husband and others. If we preserve their bodies. So you see, Ellie, what you call death may, may be only the temporary absence of life. 
And she plays it real subtle. Yeah, I yeah. Think. She Very doesn't well. seem... Well, she's a good actress. Yeah, she is. And she doesn't seem yeah. like she's totally Looney Tunes the whole time. Uh, so I mean, it's pretty cool. Gloria Graham's been in tons of stuff over the years. And I was trying to figure out what specifically do I remember her from. And it was when she was younger. And then I had to look up her, her credits list on IMDb. And it was The Greatest Show on Earth. Oh, okay. I think she was not the trapeze artist, but one of the... A horse trainer, or one of the showgirls, or something in that. It's apropos that that she, was this weekend, we're talking about. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. We just actually did a a big burlesque show at the Narrow Live, an uh, old time burlesque show, called, uh, and it's called the Sideshow Burlesque Spooktacular. It was all based, all the acts, the themes were on sideshow freak show performers performances and things, and it was a fantastic show. Big crowd, great crowd, very yes. enthusiastic. Great performances by everybody. Uh, we had some out of town guests and then a regular troupe that performs that I work with, and it was just, it was a great show all yeah, around. I can't say enough amazing. good things about it. But that relates back to the greatest yeah. show on earth. Well, yeah, it was just a, the yeah. sideshow circus thing that it was related to. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> it always matters. Every tangent matters. <laughs> all the tangents. So finding all this out, and then it starts to snowball after that. The the cop, the detective, comes and checks on the girl one time, and then threatens or says maybe we need to search the the house up and down for the kid that ran away he might still just be hiding in the house they know different yeah they know. don't want anybody to search the house because yeah. we can't find the dead kids in the freezer or the chicken in the yeah. attic so then at some point you see this guy in a mask with a hammer and a weird like old age mask or something mm-hmm. uh, at first i thought it was just a some cheap rubber mask they turned inside out so it was just the color of the f- flesh latex yeah but looking at pictures of it, I think it's just an old man mask, oh, okay. but not one I've ever seen for sale. So I don't I, know where thought, they got it from. Yeah, it could be. I, I first I thought it was um, supposed to be like a burned Burn. face it, makeup. It might supposed to be that, but mm. it doesn't look like that to me. Yeah. And it looks like one, they they might have had it made for the movie. Maybe. I don't know. On the budget they had, probably not. But <laughs> anyway, so you see a scene of this guy sneaking into the house and looking around and going into the uh, Melody Patterson's room and standing over with the hammer, and she kind of wakes up and sees him, and he raises the hammer, and she turns her head away and screams, and he turns and runs away, and then everybody, what's that? What's that? Oh, somebody must have a nightmare. And they come in the room. What's wrong? Did you have a nightmare? She says, no, there was somebody here. I saw him. And nobody believes her. They think she's just had a nightmare because she's been having nightmares. Mm-hmm. And so you're hooked in. You're like, oh, well, that's the guy. That's the killer. He's coming after because that's what we're told is happening in the yeah. story you know we're not led to believe anything else well there's lots of other little things you're you're leaving out which is good because we don't want to tell you the whole yeah. freaking thing but yes anyway go ahead and there's another scene Fast later on some. where the guy same guy sneaks in the house and is looking around down in the basement and stuff you know the hammer man and they lock the girl in the laying in the passenger in the freezer to punish her for something mm-hmm. and and there's some or to, sub- uh, just to get rid of her i think because she knows too much or yeah and there's some subplots where she's oh yeah Dating the 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 twenty year old and the fifteen year old roommate is jealous, and I mean, there's yeah. other interesting things going on. Yeah, there's while a lot, this is there's happening. a lot of little things going on, and oh, and at dinner where they're not allowed to talk during dinner. Yeah, and yeah. the kid tries to sne- sneak, sneak an roll. extra roll and yeah. gets smacked, and <laughs> it's like, wait, you know, you know, those rolls have to last for four days. Just for that, you're not gonna eat tomorrow. Yeah. Why do you think he want an extra roll today? He didn't eat enough you know, the day before. <laughs> So you see how cruel the place is and, yeah, and yeah. through that. And there's lots, like said, there's lots of other little things going on. And a little hint of a, well, not a hint, a romance between 
the doctor that yeah. comes to check on things and the lady that runs the place. Right. Apparently they have a little thing going and I don't want to see getting some money off of it. You, you find out that almost everybody is flawed. Yeah. In the every, movie. And not just flawed. Everybody is fucked up. Yeah. yeah. They're corrupt. They're yeah. It's just, they're all screwed up. Nobody is a good person in this yeah, movie. They're all missed. No. Well, nobody's but, a good person in this yeah, movie. Yeah, everybody. Really. Even even the sh- the detective through a couple things, the meeting with the doctor. Calvin, your interest in that girl wouldn't go beyond police duty, would it? It might. <laughs> what makes you think she could ever be interested in you? I didn't say she would or she could. And I think you better keep your interest where it belongs. You know, Harold, when you get to be my age and you start thinking seriously about getting married, you start sniffing around for some good breeding stock. He's not really a good Everybody's person Everybody's got issues. Yeah. Do we want to give away the ending? I don't know. I was going to, but maybe not. Maybe we won't give away the, the, okay, the, good. the, the very end. You guys need to watch it. It's free. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You know, I'll, I'll post the link on the, the Phantasma After Dark Facebook page. The, we haven't even hinted at what the twist could be. Yeah. But... It's, it's interesting. And, and if you if you don't catch it and it hits you blindsided by surprise, it's a great twist. I and don't see how you can't catch at the it. Ver- but... I will say at the very end, because of what happens, our lead, Melody Patterson, yes. just starts laughing and then uncontrollably Man- maniacally. laughing. Maniacally laughing. And, and what I'm getting at is that she just flipped a switch, just lost it, just yeah. went insane at that point. See, but now I can't talk about what I think would be the alternate to that. If we don't say what happened. So you think that she just lost it and maybe she's gone to like a menstrual institute. A you think that, a menstrual yeah, institute? Yeah, I can't talk. A mens A mental. <laughs> Use your words, Phyllis. Use your Thank words. Thank you. I'm cutting that out. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> no, leave it in. It's great. You think that she just loses yeah. it and is and, going and to you, and, and, a mental institute. Yeah, and you think that she's just laughing like, what the hell? This is hilarious. No, no, I think I'm that... I'm going to accept I, this and go with it. I think that maybe she she did kind of lose it, but at the same point, her personality is one and such that she's a little screwed up anyway. Yeah. And she doesn't want to be stuck in one place at, at any yeah. point. She's yeah. said that multiple times in the movie. She and cannot be tied down to one point. she's been looking for something the whole time. Talking about looking for something the whole time, and she yes. finally finds it. Right. So... I don't know if maybe she's going to say, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to take the deal, so to speak. And go with it. And go with it. No matter. I don't care. Right. Or the other option to that is, is she going to take the deal and not say anything about the deal? Like not let on that what the truth is. And you guys, this is cryptic, but when you watch it, you'll understand. Well, she would have to take it that way because if she said it, do you think he'd, Somebody he'd else back might flip out? out and back out? Yeah. Yeah. So. So, but I think she just the way she's just maniacally laughing. I think she just lost it because, as unstable as she is throughout the movie, yeah. which you get hints of it, yeah. But you're not sure. I mean, you, you don't read it as that so much as she's just pissed off. Right. Well, she is pissed. She off. is pissed off, but it's, but by the end, you're like, oh no, she's not just pissed off. She's unstable. But holding it together publicly in front of people, you know, yeah. trying to hold it together in front well, of people. Well, I mean, and I do think that's true. The only thing that makes me have any question is like what I said, that she, throughout the whole thing, even though she's unstable, 
her one driving force was always, I will not be trapped in one place. And if she knows that her option, other than take the deal, is to be trapped in prison yeah. for life. That's true. You that's know, true. That's, that's the only thing I could um, think of. And right so, at the very maybe. end there, you, you find out how her and another character are both really screwed up mm-hmm. and don't really have morals very much. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice yeah, little twist. Obviously, obviously I've, I've said some that gives some yeah. of the stuff away, but, you but know, some, some though, crap you know, happens yeah. that she ends up uh, being guilty of some things. So Well, I remember but, see it, watching it the first time the other night by myself late at night and watching it, and I went, ha! Ah! <laughs> Out loud and like almost slow clap because like oh that was great that was a nice yeah, yeah. a nice twist but seriously yeah watch this I'll put it I'll put the link on the Facebook page so it'll be easy to do and let us know what you think about the ending comment back on it because I need to know what other people yeah, think it'll be interesting to hear everybody else's take on it if if you would because the ending is open it's open enough for people to interpret I want to know yeah, what I don't people think agree it is. with me I don't think it's open but. I do like your theory. It makes it even more screwed up. Yes. Well, I mean, the whole movie you know? is full of screwed up people. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. There, <laughs> now, that's the whole plot of the movie. Now, going back and talking about just about the movie itself, there were some interesting things about it. Like when we were watching it the other day together, that first scene where she, Melody Patterson's talking, I'm like, that's not her voice. It looks like it's overdubbed. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it was synced perfectly, but something about it was off. It didn't sound right, the sound quality and all. And when I was doing a little research on it, I find out that particular scene, that first scene of her talking, was overdone. Just the first scene. Just the first scene. The rest of the movie's her. I mean, maybe it needed to be re-looped and mm. she couldn't make it or something. Hmm. But June Foray did it, hmm. who was the cartoon voice of every female character just about ever in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know. That's weird that they couldn't get her to do her own stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know why, you know. Hmm. But one of the... Greatest uh, lines here from um, a review from the New York Times. I, I've got to pull this up so I can read it verbatim because I love it, the way it, what it says. And this explains it. Oh, yeah, here it is. It says, there was a good deal of blood and a minimum of logic, or lace for that matter, <laughs> in Blood and Lace, <laughs> which is true. The movie's called Blood and Lace, and there's a bit of blood, not a lot. No. But where does the lace come from? There's no mention of lace. No, There's no... Scenes with any kind of not even a doily. In this <laughs> doily. Thing. The only thing I can think of is maybe that's supposed to somehow abstractly refer to her mom as a prostitute. I don't know why. I don't either. I'm trying. It's a stretch of a connection. That's all I can make. Why is it called blood and lace? There's no reason. I have no idea. I mean, it should be called the hammer murders. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there is oh jeez there's oh you know and it was actually the original title though the working title for it when it when they were in pre-production and all was the blood secret that actually kind of works that works more yeah because there is a secret and there's some blood mm-hmm. that would have been a better title but it was changed um, well I mean and you <clears throat> could take that two ways yeah so I kind of like it, that see yeah. that one the title works better and actually I think in some the original print of the film that is the title on it. Oh, but it was changed to Blood and Lace for the for the actual theatrical release. Now, let's see. It was also it's also considered uh, to be. I think I said that earlier. Precursor or the proto slasher film mm-hmm. to, to before that genre all started, and 
it was started out, it, it got kind of a cult following in the 70s a little bit. It was released on the double bills at drive-ins uh, circuit throughout the 70s. And then on it's television, mm-hmm. on syndication, which is where I saw it, it was consi- considered to be one of the most gratuitous films to receive the GP rating, which was before the PG rating. Mm. It was general audiences, basically. It was, you know, any age could go see it. It wasn't G. Mm-hmm. It was G. I don't know. What did GP stand for? I don't know. You know, I used to know that. Hang on. Um, I know what PG stands for. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was parental guidance suggested, but it was GP instead of PG. I don't know why. I'll, I'll read this verbatim because this is just, you know, interesting information. Teach us something, Rob. In 1970, the ages for R and X were raised from 16 to 17. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, also, due to confusion over whether M-rated films, that was a rating, uh, were suitable for children. M was renamed to GP for general general audiences. Parental guidance suggested. Mm. So general, the G was for general audiences, and the P was for prevent parental guidance suggested. Gotcha. Uh, in seventy one, the MPAA added uh, a content advisory, some material not generally suitable for for pre teenagers. And in seventy two, the GP was revised to PG. So that's where that's where that comes from. Gotcha. Okay, I did not know that. Now I do. See, you learn something. Indeed. And, you know, it is, it's not gory at all. The effects are really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most blood you get is the very, very beginning. That opening, yeah. The rest of it, the kid's hand gets cut off. It's very quick. Yeah. And there's it, no blood. Yeah. I mean, you see the hatchet cut into his wrist, and then you, I don't, you don't see him, like, actually pull away and show a bloody stump. You don't see no, that. No, no. The, the only time you see him with without a hand you have to really look. He's holding it close to his chest with the other hand. Well, at, at one point, because, you know, I was really looking because I wanted to see. But the one time you see it, he's got, he's pulled his, what's really happened is he's pulled his hand up inside his long sleeve. Oh, yeah. And that's it. You just see the end of his sleeve there without without a hand. You know, like you do when yeah, you're pretending yeah. that you lost your hand. And, the, I mean, you see a, a, what, a knife and stabbed in somebody's back. I mean, you know, through their coat. So. Yeah, but there's hardly any blood. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing. Yeah, it is. It's really not much, but you know, it moves. The movie moves along at a good clip. I think. Yeah. It, it's not really boring. No, I the mean, whole there's time. enough of there's enough weird other things happening that don't really have to do with the main plot. Yeah, they plot kind of lead that, you one way or the other. Kind yeah, of distract yeah. you from what's going on. These so little you're kind subplot of like, things. What's happening here? Yeah. yeah. And if it's real late at night and you're real tired, like I was the first time, you won't see that ending coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I truly believe if you were wide awake, you'd have. Definitely I, caught I, on. I, I probably would, or I would have, or I would have done this. I would have gone, "Hey, wouldn't it be neat if that really was this?" Yeah, and it turns out it was. I'm like, right. ah, because that happened with Phantasm Ravenger. Oh, really? <laughs> I called the ending, but I didn't know. I, I leaned over. Jess and I were watching. I leaned over. I said, <laughs> "I said, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a bitch if it really was all just a dream and none of it actually happened? It was all in Reggie's mind the whole time." Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's what happened. Oh, now you gave the, it away. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. The entire series of Phantasm <laughs> was all in Reggie's head. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I have to watch that now. Yeah. Which, you know, it makes sense. It was Reggie's head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Which makes sense because, yeah, while he, cause he was dying in the hospital. Oh, no. Yeah. That's terrible. But it makes now sense because the first film itself, Coscarelli says that, you know, he, he made it so you weren't sure what was a dream and what was yeah, real. Yeah, well, it's always been. It's always yeah. felt that way. Another thing about this so film. Did you though, like Ravager at all? Uh yeah and no. Oh, okay. We'll have to go into that later, I guess. Yeah, I liked it 
because you got to see Mike and Reggie back on the screen together. Yeah. But it was a lot of, di- oh, most of the effects were digital. Really? No, not, I know you don't like not that. Not on set. And, and a lot of it was video game-like. Yeah. The plot was interesting. Yeah. Though, in a way, it kept flipping back and forth quick between dreams. Mm-hmm. And you weren't sure, you were not sure what was real and what was a dream in, in Reggie's head as the movie played on. Mm-hmm. Did it make you sad to see Angus Grimm? No. No. No, no. <laughs> Because I knew long before that. Well, I know you did, but... And he had passed away. But the end was kind of cool because they ride off into the sunset. Oh. So in Reggie's head, even though he's dying or or dies Mm -hmm. when it ends, he's experiencing in riding in the car with with Mike and Jody and... Two of the people from the other movies. Oh wow! The the chick with the nunchucks, the black girl that from part three, I think. Yeah. Helps them out. Yeah. The car pulls up, and she's the actress of Plater is standing there. Oh wow! And she and I maybe it was a little kid or somebody else. They get in the car with them, and off they and go. They ride off. Yeah. It was that How was cool that part that? was cool. Yeah. That's neat. But back to Blood and Lace. Other weird thing about this movie was the music, and I called this when we were watching it. Mm-hmm. Or pointed it out, you know, it just, I couldn't put my finger on it the first time. It was just the music just seemed out of place. I mean, it was suspenseful when something was supposed to be suspenseful, but it wasn't mm-hmm. the right music for this scene. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad music. No, it just it was wasn't great. right for this. It was great, but it was like it was wrong. It was the right type of music for suspense. <laughs> it was suspenseful music, but it didn't fit mm-hmm. this movie. And each scene that had music like that, it was the same way. It was like they... They had the soundtrack for another movie mm-hmm. and used it on this. Well, come to find out, they did. research. That's what they did. The movie was it was such a low budget. They used stock music from a music library, mm-hmm. uh, and it sounded really more like fifties or sixties sci-fi horror movie music mm-hmm. than contemporary seventies music. And that's that. It just was really out of place. But I think you know that almost gave it more of a weird feeling to the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, like not, not a timeless feeling cause it was definitely the seventies, but it just kind of set you, put you off. Yeah. A little bit comfortable, you know, a little bit. You're uncomfortable. You're like, that's something's it weird. It doesn't here. feel right. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. The music at some point we've talked about this in other films where the music isn't right. And it wasn't as glaringly bad as some. No, but I think what it was, it just, hit but it me. was just off. It just hit me. I think what it was, was when it was supposed to be something suspenseful happening in the music. Yeah. Or in the scene and the music was playing was too suspenseful. Yeah. Like the scene wasn't that intense, but the music was. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and it didn't quite, it's like, okay, the music needed to be dialed back a little bit yeah. to really or work. Or sometimes for the, scene. the reverse. Reverse where it's supposed yeah. to be more, more yeah, the scene was intense, but the music was like... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, not as suspicious. <laughs> when it should have been... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was It was definitely interesting. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, sometimes, or most of the time in films, you get some kind of repetitive type music that yeah, follows. Yeah, there was None no of repeating was. themes. It's like they wanted as much different type of yeah. music everywhere. Nothing ever got repeated. No, and they, you know, like I said, they use stock music mm-hmm. from a film library. And it was good, though, but it just didn't work for the particular scenes. But then again, maybe it did, because like I said, maybe it, it because it sets you off a little bit, it makes you go, huh, and wonder more, <laughs> feel more weird about the scene. <laughs> well, we definitely talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it, it's working for us. Um, it almost played like a TV movie, a made-for-TV movie, too. Some some parts of it, 
maybe. And I think I think the music the the music that was out of place kind of attributed to that. Oh too. well, that yeah that that's true. Yeah, I don't know. The poster's great for this. Oh, I don't remember seeing the poster. Um, you did show me, but I forgot what it looked yeah, well, like. Yeah, here it's right here. I've got it. Uh, you can't see it out there, but I will post a picture, a picture of it on the uh, the old Facebook page here. Be sure to check out the Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page. You get a chance because I will post a folder with as many pictures as I can find from this thing. And I'll post the trailer on the page. And I'll post a link to the whole movie so you can watch that. But watch the trailer first. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check it out. There's the poster. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, the I poster's like really lot. graphic and gory. Mm -hmm. It's a great 70s poster. Yeah, that is 60s nice. and 70s, they knew how to do movie posters. You know, artwork. It was artwork. It wasn't Photoshop floating heads. God damn it, I hate that. <laughs> this is a this great graphic of this. There's a floating head in that picture, Rob. <laughs> <sighs> I'm making a face right now at Aunt Phyllis. <laughs> the title is at the bottom of the poster, Blood and Lace, and there's a head with... In in a bed of black tresses, black hair, yeah. looking up, and I'm not saying it's a floating head. I'm saying the title is cutting her off at the neck. <laughs> okay, and just above that is this big hammer, like perspective, coming towards the camera, towards the viewer, with blood all on it, and then a guy behind it, in like a hood and glasses, and there's flames, and a couple people behind him is shock after shock after shock as desire drives a bargain with death. Blood and lace. It's this great graphic poster with, you know, bloody hammer and all that. And it, it sells a movie. It sells more than the movie is. Yeah, that's Like true. all good posters do. Right. <laughs> Marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm looking at the poster. I'm thinking, yeah, I'd own that if I could get it, you know, get it at a good price. It's not one of my favorite posters from that era, but it is. It's pretty striking. Yeah, it, it is. gets your it's attention. It's a good poster. Yeah, it would make you look at it and go, huh, I would watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Now, this I've, I've come to find out this movie has never had a video release in the United States huh. until recently. Oh. It never had a, a release on VHS, ever. It was never released on DVD. But I think just in, 2000, I think it was 2015, um, but it was released on Blu-ray. Let's see, I think it was 2015. Yes, November 24th, 2015, Shout Factory, that, that puts out a lot of good stuff, releases a lot of good stuff, did a Blu-ray release of it and does not say if it was like remastered or has extras or anything on it. I don't know. I have to look at it. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Not sure what it's, what it's going to run. I would almost, I, you know, I think I might buy it if it's cheap <laughs> because just for what that what it means to me after all these years of finally getting to see it. Yeah. And you know, the more I think about it after watching it twice recently. Yeah. I really kind of like it. I liked it. It's you know, there's there's been a few movies recently that we've talked about or watched or I've just thought about where I didn't like them as much when I was younger. Mhm. Mm and I don't know if they've grown on me or just all of a sudden there's something about it that just clicked with me that I really like a lot now. Hmm. And not big movies, not great movies. Um, House on Haunted Hill is one we talked about in previous podcasts, which when I was younger, there was no monster in it. There's no werewolf, no Frankenstein. Yeah, I didn't like it that much. And over the years watching it, well, I kind of like it's Vincent Price. I liked it. But just over the last couple of years, it's gotten to be where it's one of my favorite movies, to, especially to watch around Halloween. It's a nice subtle, creepy, old dark house movie. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's it William is. Castle, so there's that. 
Indeed. There was something else recently. I was trying to think. I can't, I'm drawing a blank now what it was. But another one of those movies like that, that it's like, I just really like that movie a lot. I mm-hmm. don't care if anybody else does. You know? <laughs> but I think this is one of those now that, that kind of falls into that category for me that I think I will buy it and I will probably watch it again probably once a year or so, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, I hope somebody else does too. And, you know, because that's kind of the whole point of doing this that we started, you know, a couple of years ago is to, you know, bring some of these movies that maybe you've never heard of or maybe you've heard of but didn't know anything about. Bring it to, you know, your people's attention and get them, get you to watch them. Well, hopefully someone will. Every movie of that we talk about, if you haven't seen it, watch it and, you know, draw your own conclusions of it and, Definitely get back with us on the Phantasmo After Dark Facebook page or even the Phantasmo After Dark email, which is phantasmoad at gmail.com. That's phantasmoad, all one word, at gmail.com. Drop us a note, you know, uh, even just to tell us to shut up, but we prefer you don't. <laughs> <laughs> or just comment right on the Facebook page. Just don't cost nothing. And let us know what you thought of the uh, the films we're talking about or the you know the podcast in general. It'd be great to hear from you. But above all, even if you don't comment, Check these films out, and right now, this one in particular. <laughs> and I really want to know if anybody had a different thought about the ending. Yeah, if you think whatever happens after the ending is going to happen, because we're of two minds of it. Though I think I think mine is the intended. I think yours thought, is the intended, but I really like your theory on it. But mine it, comes from a screwed up mind. It's more screwed own. up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it if mine goes there. Oh man, I don't. I don't know if I have much else to say about this one. I don't think I do either. Yeah, I think we covered it all. I'm a, like I said, I'm gonna look for see whatever I can find pictures, promotional material, and put it up there on the the page. Like I said earlier, check out the Narrow if you're in town for Friday the nineteenth, late show of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Saturday the twentieth, late show of The Howling. We'll be there. Probably give out door prizes. I'll say a few words before the movie, and then we'll we'll um, hang out and eat popcorn and watch some cool movies. That's what we're doing for our anniversary. Yeah, actually, we are. Our anniversary is on the twentieth of October, and we're going to see the Howling. Indeed. Because <laughs> I'm a romantic. That's why. That's right. That's right. So, hey, Rob. <laughs> oh yes, Phyllis. How does Vic Tabak <laughs> relate to Planet of the Apes? How does Vic Tabak relate to Planet of the Apes? Because Vic Tabak was on the episode of Star Trek, Piece of the Action. Ah. And Star Trek, you automatically get Mark Leonard. That's and too Sarek. easy. Well, you brought up Vic Tabak. Okay, we it. can't do Vic Tabak. <laughs> How about. Okay, wait a minute. While you're thinking a second, real quick, if this is your first time listening, we do this game at the end of every episode. Years ago, my friend Clayton and I discovered that the world revolves around the movie Planet of the Apes, and you can link everything back to Planet of the Apes. In a few steps, but this was long before the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon was discovered. We found out Planet of the Apes. So at the end of each episode, Phyllis tries to give me something from the movie we're talking about, and I prove that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. And if you can get to Star Trek, it's automatically Planet of the Apes, because Mark Leonard was Serac in Star Trek, and he was Urko on the Planet of the Apes TV show. All right, then. How about Melody Patterson? Melody Patterson. Okay. Melody Patterson was... Give me just a second... Okay, well, I know she was Wrangler Jane on F Troop. Mm-hmm. Good God, if, all, if I knew all of Forrest Tucker's credits, it would be really easy. <laughs> well, F Troop could go to, let's see, I could go to Larry Storch, or I could go to James Hampton. Okay, this is going to go long. This is going to be a long one. Okay, if you go to 
Melody Patterson. There's a, there's got to be a much shorter way to do this, and it'll probably hit me later. Melody Patterson to F Troop to James Hampton. James Hampton. Oh, wait a minute. There's another way. Something else just hit me. I was going on another way, but another one just hit me. Okay. <laughs> Follow this. This is horrible. Okay, Melody Patterson mm-hmm. to F Troop to James Hampton, who was an F Troop. Mm-hmm. James Hampton was in Condor Man. Oh, Lord. Barbara Carrera was in Condor Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Barbara Carrera to Lone Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. David Carradine was in Lone Wolf McQuaid to Circle of Iron. David Carradine was in Circle of Iron with Roddy McDowell, <laughs> Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Well, alrighty then. <laughs> How about that one? Good job. <laughs> so once again, we prove the world evolves around Planet of the Apes. Thank you very much. Indeed. I think that's about it. That'll do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. Good night.